Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. This podcast is about all things outdoor photography, including landscapes, wildlife, macro, and more. The show features two talented photographers, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, who bring their different experiences in photography to the podcast. The show is released weekly every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. In today's episode, Henry and Ryan talk about focal lengths and their various compositional techniques. They go over prime lenses versus zoom lenses, different sensor sizes, and the best applications of certain lenses. As always, we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to episode 32 of the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. Um, And today we're talking about um, something that, you know, is crucial to your photography and really affects your images in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to get down the nitty gritty of it and talk about focal length. And this is going to be a pretty broad episode about anything related to it. So we're going to dive into just different lenses that you can use and employ when out in the field and um, our favorite subjects to take with them. And just, yeah, we're just kind of going to go off and just talk about all things with related to focal length. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people can get caught up and and confused by different focal lengths. Um, they sometimes forget that it's not just a longer and shorter, like with different effects and stuff. So we'll be getting into all of that. So I guess we'd start, go off and start um, by just talking about the difference between prime and zoom lenses. So Henry, what's the difference between those two? So a prime lens is basically one focal length. So say you bought a 24 millimeter prime lens, all you can shoot at is 24 millimeters. So it's fixed focal length. You can't zoom. Of course, you can crop and post, but um, it's it's always at that focal length. Um, and generally, prime lenses tend to be sharper, um, have a lot more clarity because the lens designers only have to design the one focal length versus with a zoom lens, which has multiple focal lengths. So say a 24 to 70, um, that designer will have to design all the way from 24 millimeters to 70 and make sure all the focal lengths are good enough. Um, and also prime lenses let in a lot more light usually. So like you'll, you could see like a 24 millimeter 1.4. Um, whereas like on a 24 to 70, you might get like a F 2.8 at the best. So, um, different uses, uh, you know, a lot of portrait people use primes and, uh, just very versatile, um, not the most versatile in comparison to zooms. Uh, So yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, you definitely got it right. I mean, um, yeah, like you said, it's like they're faster lenses because they do have a a much more wider aperture overall. Um, And yeah, it really just depends on the way you kind of use them, I guess. Like you said, portraits are great for that. Um, I would even add in their um, nighttime Astro just because it's much darker out. So you usually generally want the uh, widest aperture possible as well. It just depends on really what you kind of approach, I guess, photography with, or if it, you're like on a job for something, or if you just creatively speaking want to try something different. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, it really just depends. Um, Astro, like you mentioned, it's a lot of the professionals will have like a 14 millimeter 1.8 because it's a small light lens and they don't need multiple focal lengths and that aperture can let in a ton of light to reduce noise. Um, but like daytime nature photographers like us, I know we both do a little bit of astro, but we're mo- mostly like daylight, twilight. Um, we'll carry around zoom lenses usually, or I know you carry around one prime, but for me at least, I carry around for my like landscape and macro lenses two zoom lenses because um, I just don't have room in my bag to carry multiple primes for each focal length. Yeah, I actually have two prime and two zoom, but yeah, you're oh. about right there. Sorry. It's all good. No, it's all good. Um, at least at this very moment. So four lenses total, um, which I mean, we can actually dive in that a little bit here. And I guess right now, if you want, we can just talk a little bit about our kit. So, yeah, um, sure. yeah, I mean, so zoom lenses are probably what I prefer to use out in the field just because of that, um, that versatility, like we mentioned. Um, that way I can just, you know, pull right into the scene wherever it may be or however far away from me. Um, but prime lenses are great too. They actually, I find it to be like a little bit of a challenge a lot of the times. Um, just because it is um, a little bit of like a, I guess, creative challenge and just something you have to kind of overcome that hurdle of like, you have to move physically around. You can't use the zoom as like almost like a, um, I don't know, call it a crutch or whatever, a handicap. So, um, but yeah, I have one large telephoto lens. That's a 150 to 600. 
So in around the 75 to 300 range, and then I have a 50 millimeter prime lens and a 24 millimeter prime lens. So that pretty much covers, encompasses the entire focal range that I need to take many different nature shots, um, like macro, wildlife, uh, big landscapes, small, tighter landscapes, um, everything pretty much. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've got the whole range covered. Pretty close, yeah. <laughs> yep. How about you? Um, so I shoot on mainly three lenses. Um, there's a couple, or there's one lens I don't bring in my bag usually. That's an 85 millimeter prime. That's for portraits. Um, I've used it for the occasional landscape, um, but I really like it for portraits because it's like an f1.8, so it gets that nice blurry background and that nice compression at 85 millimeters. Um, but for my main nature lenses, I've got three. Like I said, my wildlife lens is a 600 f11. I know f11. I'm gonna get hate for that, um, but it is it is a prime lens, so it's uh, one focal length out at it's at 600. Um, which I like for prime, like, I feel like I can kind of just focus on the wildlife a little bit more instead of worry about my zoom. Um, so I, I like the prime for that, and obviously it's maybe a little bit sharper than some of the other affordable zoom options. Um, and, yeah, for uh, my other shots, um, I've got a 24 to 240. I will say it's not the sharpest lens out of my three main lenses. It's definitely the lowest quality, um, but it's it's still very versatile. So that basically replaces a 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200. So it's like an all-in-one. Uh, it doesn't let in the most light, but I, I really don't care on that lens because I'm always at like f8 or something or higher. Um, and yeah, that's just a very versatile lens. Great for travel because sometimes I can just bring one lens, that 24 to 240, and get so many different shots. Um, you know, I, I, I do macro with that lens. I do long lens stuff. Um, and yeah, it's really versatile. Um, and then my main, like, wide landscape lens is a 16 to 35 f4. Uh, I got it recently, and I, I really like it. It's definitely the sharpest lens I've had. Um, and I, I do some video stuff on it, too. It works really well for that. Um, nice and wide. It's, it is an f4. I didn't get to f2.8, but f4 is still good for astrophotography. So it's good to do a little bit of that on there. Um, and yeah, so that's my main setup. Awesome. Yeah, same for you. You've really covered all the bases there, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably upgrade that 24 to 240 soon. Like the sharpness really is just bad on the telephoto end. Like the wider focal lengths, it's, it's great. But once I get zoomed in, it's just noticeably blurry. So that's probably going to be a future upgrade. But you know i'm still pretty happy with all three of my lenses yeah definitely yeah you always want to get the highest quality glass possible but you know mm -hmm. you work up to it too of course yeah and that that is kind of like the kit lens of my uh camera that came with it so you know it's it's very versatile you know i'm grateful for all the pictures i've taken and, you know someday down the line i'm not saying anytime soon but someday it's good for like a kit lenses are actually a pretty nice well they're a great way to start photography i think just because they are a wider angle but they also get that kind of more um standard kind of 50 millimeter view as well so they're very nice lenses to start with but they do yeah, have that variable I mean, aperture and everything too i think for nature photographers that variable aperture really isn't much of a pr problem as long as you're not shooting like wildlife or something on it or something <laughs> i couldn't imagine <laughs> Oh I, sold, I sold mine like I sold mine years ago, my kit lens, and I think for like fifty dollars or something crazy. But those lenses are so cheap. Like if you really think about the specs for them, they're very low quality. Yep. Bundled um, them with like everything. My my previous camera, which was like a crop sensor Canon mirrorless, um, I sold my kit lens for twelve bucks, and it was almost perfect. <laughs> so it was just yeah, a very bad lens. Yeah, I think after about I think couple of years probably two or three years i'm just like i outgrew this lens i need to sell it uh -huh. i don't even know why yeah like 50 bucks like who cares should just kept it and mess around with it <laughs> but yeah anyways uh, let's switch gears for a little moment here and uh henry tell us a little bit more about uh crop sensor versus full frame yeah so we wanted to preface this at the beginning um so ryan does have a crop sensor i have a full frame um so basically full frame is coming from the film days it's the 35 millimeter equivalent format um 35 millimeter does not mean focal length 
it's kind of a common misconception. It's kind of confusing, but it's actually the sensor size itself. So uh, a full-frame sensor, I don't know if it's the width. I think it's the width, not the height, is 35 millimeters. Maybe. I'm not sure. But um, it <laughs> part of the sensor, <laughs> at least, is 35 millimeters. Um, and that is kind of the standard in the industry. Um, people are shooting medium format now, but uh, most photographer, most like of the pros are shooting full frame. Um, only reason I went full frame is just because um, I just like the camera. I really could care less about the sensor size, but um, you know, it's it, when you have a lens, the focal length is not multiplied. That's one of the benefits. So you have a 50 millimeter lens, you'll see a 50 millimeter equivalent um, and you'll have that, the actual light, the aperture will not be reduced like it is on crop sensor. It's it's pretty complicated, but like on say on a crop sensor, you have a 50 millimeter f2 lens on a uh, on a crop sensor. It would be a 50 millimeter f3 lens because of the or 3.5 or something because of the crop factor. So that's something you have to keep in mind. Um, crop sensors generally do worse in low light, although nowadays that it's really not much of a problem. Just the camera companies don't like to tell you about that. Um, <laughs> And you can still use full-frame lenses on most crop sensor cameras, so it's it's really not a huge deal. I mean, full-frame, there's definitely negatives. You have to carry heavier lenses, um, you know, they're bigger file sizes usually, uh, and, you know, it's just more expensive, way more expensive. So uh, mm -hmm. different benefits and advantages. Um, one thing I will say, since I, I bought a full-frame camera, um, but it, it's a fairly low-priced one, um, it's like about the same price as like a good APS-C crop sensor camera. Um, I had a lot of trouble finding cheap lenses because, you know, it's full frame and all these full frame lenses are meant for these pro bodies. So I was having a very hard time finding, you know, affordable full frame lenses, you know, under like the $1,000 <laughs> price range. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I found, a couple, found a couple good ones, but... Um, you know, it's definitely like you can get a really good crop lens for like under a thousand, and you you can get a decent full frame for like under a thousand, but you're not going to get like the pro ones. So the nice thing is the lenses all kind of work with each other. So like I have a crop sensor body, but like I could use a full frame lens on it, and uh, like you said, it does obviously change the ratio and magnification, of course, but it's fully functional pretty much without an adapter, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And you're taking the center of the lens, which is generally the best, with the crop sensor. So, like, you're getting good quality, too. Yeah, it's almost like it's just clipping and cutting out the edges of the, the sensor in the frame. So, mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, just getting the best parts of it. <laughs> yeah. But would you recommend maybe, like, what's your, what's your kind of opinions on, like, full frame for, like, a beginner? Like, do you think people should just jump right in and get that? I mean, honestly... I would say probably jump into full frame nowadays if you have the money. Really? Like, you, like I would say, because, I mean, there there are some pretty big benefits. There's not, camera companies aren't making a lot of crop sensor cameras anymore. So <laughs> I would jump into full frame, or at least if you're buying a crop sensor, invest in mostly full frame lenses if you're going to spend a lot of money on the lens. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of entry-level like full frame cameras now like all the major companies have one um sony yeah. canon nikon they all have like a a thousand dollar ish entry level um now there is the lenses the lens problem but um the problem was a lot worse when i was buying a couple years ago they've made a lot of cheaper ones now like my 600 f11 which is a full frame wildlife lens that's 700 bucks for a really good wildlife lens so they're <laughs> they're working on definitely more cheap full frame because I almost feel like these these more budget full frame cameras are becoming like the new crop sensor cameras. I feel like right. I think it's the technology for it. It's probably just uh -huh. like it's been around longer and been perfected that they can lower the price, of course, too. Yeah, like cheaper to make the sensors and everything. And yeah, pro yeah, production costs and all that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes yeah it makes total sense though. Um, I also think it's also like micro four thirds and mirrorless have kind of entered the fold, obviously. Um, and gain popularity in recent years. So I feel like that might be the reason why crop sensors just kind of diminished it all overall. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, it's 
Props says, yeah, like the microphone thirds has its own benefits, and then you have the full frame with its benefits, and the crop sensor can kind of be in the middle sometimes. Mm. It's all expensive at the end of the day, though. That's the problem. Yep. <laughs> but I guess it just matters on the, the one's preference, I guess. Um, so, I mean, like I started with crop sensor. Well, I still have it, obviously, as I said, but like with it mainly because of the reason, like I said, I can still use uh, full frame lenses or at least higher quality glass onto the same camera body um the magnification is great for wildlife like we said and that's that's like a big draw for me i think so i can just get uh way farther out you know more zoom magnification um all the while we're not using uh like a teleconverter to get that farther reach but um yeah i mean like for a beginner too it's like i'd recommend just i kind of go against what you just said henry but i'd be like i would start with this you know smaller sensor and just kind of get mm. used to that and it's mainly not really because of the sensor itself but just the price tag but like you yeah. said, full frame is going down price more and more. So I mean, like it's whatever the budget of the person may be, um, you know, going it, against. I guess it all d depends on what you need to do. Like if I, if you're like a exclusive wildlife photographer, I'd say definitely get a good crop sensor for your first camera. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the best quality but, crop you can get for APS-C. Yeah. Um. But like, if you're doing like I don't know, like portraits or something, definitely get the full frame first. I would say. If you can afford it. <laughs> yeah, if you're doing portraits or nighttime or just like maybe stuff you're printing out real big, like a nice big waterfall landscape, like go go with the full frame, I'd say. But mm -hmm. yeah, it just depends. Though. It just depends. There's so many drawbacks and advantages and pros and cons, everything. So it just depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, I love my full frame camera. Like it's definitely, uh, I definitely instantly noticed the difference from my previous crop sensor. Um, the depth of field is really nice, the nice blurry backgrounds and, like, macro stuff. And um, I don't know, I feel like it's just kind of a lot of the photography, like, industry, like, all the products are kind of tailored to full frame. Like, mm -hmm. they make bags that are sized for the size of full frame cameras. And, you know, they <laughs> just, I don't know, I feel like they kind of gear everything around full frame, which is probably not good. They should probably make more APS-C available products. I think maybe they're just trying to upsell you, you know? Eventually, yeah. you're going to want to buy the better and bigger camera model. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's a nice dynamic range, a much better one that is compared to APS-C. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely a lot more depth, like you said. But mm -hmm. Do you want to move on now? Sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we can We can just go. We're going to basically now rattle off different focal lengths, just starting at the widest and going down. Or going up rather to the largest at telephoto range. Um, so wide angle lenses. These are typically um, I don't know anything wider than ten millimeters besides fisheye, but typically they're going to be around ten to thirty-five millimeters. Is you know going to be considered like a wide angle range. I think a lot of people even say thirty or twenty-five millimeters is wide enough, and anything beyond that's kind of like a wide angle. But um, anyways, that's that's a focal length that you know people primarily use for like let's say landscapes. Um, at least wide-angle ones, of course. Um, I don't know, environmental portraits. Um, what else would you probably use that for, do you think? Um, yeah, just... so, so so definitely landscapes, um, architecture, if you do that, you pretty much mm -hmm. have to use a wide-angle. Like, for full-frame-wise, they want you, like, usually using, like, a 12-millimeter or something. Like, you have to be crazy wide for architecture. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like... Uh, like people who photograph buildings, I always see them using like wide angle lenses to like look straight up at the buildings. I guess that's also architecture, but to kind of look straight up at the buildings in order to get a nice angle. Right. Yeah. Or maybe like a nice big flower field in the prairie or meadow. Uh um, and macro stuff too. Like people will get down and like get the full flower in the frame and maybe show a tree in the background or something. Yeah, it's basically there's many different ways to do it, but. Um, kind of boiled down at its core, it's basically when you want to encompass the entire scene. I know it sounds really obvious, but you know it goes without saying. But it's when you kind of include all the details in front of the camera and the lens. Um, yeah. Other than that, really, I don't know what else much to say about it. But if you maybe some for for landscapes, if you uh, want to get like a really nice foreground, um, wide angle lens can be really helpful. You can kind of angle it down, really accentuate that foreground and make an interesting image. I know that's like a cliche statement, but it, it really works. Like it's it's a really good technique. 
I, th I think nothing excites me more than like um, I know like starting out, I would always just take like a big wide angle landscape, but like there's something like you said, Henry, about like having a foreground detail or object, like in that middle of that frame or in the foreground, I mean, but like just directly right there and have the uh, wide angle lens just point straight down at it. Just like it creates this kind of depth that's really nice. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just like a nice depth to the scene. They wouldn't get otherwise if you like, let's say excluded it, of course. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it can be yeah, wide angle shot without the foreground can be really really boring. Like, just be mm -hmm. a really flat image that with no almost amateur. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But then there's also uh, sometimes people who abuse it and make their they forget about the subject in the back, and they end up making the foregrounds too large. Um, I've had that problem yeah. a little bit with my wide angle. Like it, it distorts that foreground so much that it gets huge and that. Uh, background could disappear a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that wants to see that distortion, um, let's say, well, hopefully you have a wide-angle lens of some sort. So take that lens, um, let's say, hold it handheld, and just point straight down at your feet at the widest you can get. And you're going to see that distortion most likely, and it'll look a lot more, like, kind of taller and elongated <laughs> if you were otherwise. Point it down at something and just see how it just plays on the entire scene in front of you. And it's going to look probably a little more surreal than you Hopefully, may even like I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's distortion isn't always bad. Like, I mean, it can, it can be really helpful as long as you like know how to master it. Um, and just like you said, like distorting faces and stuff um, is a little bit scary. So uh, you just gotta <laughs> know how to use it. <laughs> Which goes with practice, of course. So. It's more than we can explain here. This is trial and error, but um, wide angle is a lot of fun. I've really, it's funny early on, I really just kind of shirked the idea of taking wide angle landscapes, but now like I kind of appreciate them more. You still have to like do with like what's in the scene. So it's not too chaotic or noisy, but like I, I really like enjoying, I, it sounds like a cliche because like, you know, a lot of people do shoot wide with landscapes, but I really enjoy it now, you know, over the yeah. most recent 10 years, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel that. I love like how it, um, like distorts the sky big. like i love if there's clouds in the sky like the clouds will like curve with your lens i love that mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah it just makes everything feel larger than life i guess yeah but like i said you have to be careful not to include everything because that could obviously turn on you and make a much more terrible photograph i guess So uh, next up, we so now we're moving up on the focal length uh, ladder, I guess, and we're going about 50 millimeter. And the reason why I stuck this particular uh, focal length out, like we mentioned, is the 35 millimeter perspective with crop sensors and all that. But uh, 50 millimeters is a really like standard focal length, I would say, and uh, it's really a popular prime lens choice as well uh, for doing portraits or just maybe a much more tighter framed landscape or think of um i have a 50 millimeter prime lens like i mentioned and i really enjoy it um i don't use it too much if i'm being honest but like when i do use it i usually just take it around as like a simple walk around lens like i'll just carry that one only and it really just makes some creative photographs um you really kind of get accustomed i guess to that focal length yeah i think 50 is just a great focal length um like you said for landscapes i'm i find that if i'm doing kind of a little bit more of a angled in photo um i'm usually always around the 50 range um yeah, i just kind of <laughs> naturally go there that's where like even without looking at the lens that's just kind of where i go uh, i i really like it it's just very natural very there's compression but not too much compression um <laughs> yeah it's just it's really cool it's like the just right, I guess, like you say. Yeah, it's like compression, it's very minimal, but it's like not too wide angle where it kind of, it just, you look at the photo and it screams that kind of perspective. It's it's a nice in-between. And if you just want to show, like maybe on a street photography, it's like you want to just show the scene in front of you as is. That's like the perfect focal length, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Like it's either that or 35. It just kind of like shows the natural scene um, and kind of cuts out some of the messy elements. <laughs> yeah, crops it in, but not too much. So it just works out. Yeah. I will say it's great for video making too. If you if you haven't tried that with like a lens that has that focal length. Mm -hmm. like I don't know. millimeters is like a nice one. Yeah, like it, it definitely works well, especially if you got like the nice uh, 
aperture too to kind of blur it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like that that kind of almost like a white screen effect, like a sixteen by nine. It feels like to me, it's like it has that nice cinematic feel to it. Because wide angle is almost too wide, and anything telephoto kind of gets too cropped in for depending on the video or scene you're trying to create um, for like a detail shot maybe. But like fifty mil is like a nice kind of solid uh, perspective. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of, it's popular for a reason. Like people talk about the Nifty Fifty. That's one of the first lenses they will buy sometimes. <laughs> and it's like the one I have is a Canon 50 millimeter. Um, there's a couple different models of that same uh, 50 mil focal length that has, like, at least what Canon has. I'm assuming the other brands probably have their own equivalents. But um, the one I have is very affordable. It's only like $125, I believe. It's it's under 200 easily. Um, and I've had it for many years now, and it's still still kicking, like I said. Um, but it's it's a nice lens, though. Nice to challenge yourself and kind of just experiment with it and just try out just that lens and see what you can come up with. And you might be surprised by the results too. Yeah, it's very versatile for sure. And just very iconic. Um, the Canon mirrorless just came out with a nifty 50, like a $100 50 millimeter lens. So maybe I'll have to pick that up at some point. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, a really good price. What's the aperture? Uh, it's 1.8. Yep. I think, I think mine's about like 1.4 or 1.82. I, I can't remember, honestly. Yeah, I, th I think usually they're around 1.8, but I'm not sure about yours. Um, yeah. yeah uh, what was I going to say? I forgot completely. Uh, but it's all, any, it, it's, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's all good. Um, no, I was just going to mention is like with prime lenses too, is it like this 50 mil, it's like it has a much more silent motor because you're not, there's not as many moving parts like it would be with like a zoom lens. Mm -hmm. motors, the focusing motors in these lenses are really quiet, um, at least in my experience too. Yeah, I mean, that's very important too because a lot of people use those primes for video work and definitely you'd want a nice quiet motor for that. And plus, so just camera shake too that moving parts can sometimes throw it off too yeah yeah do you remember what you're gonna say <laughs> uh no i did not so we can move on okay that works for me um so now we're moving up on the zoom range or the focal length uh range now so pretty much you go up next to 70 millimeter or 75 millimeters around there it's kind of when you start entering the telephoto range um, and that's when you get much more, you, I don't know, you have to see a far distant waterfall and you want to photograph just that. So you kind of zoom in with your lens and crop it out real nice and well. Um, and maybe you want to start with some just, I don't know, maybe some backyard birds that are really close up. So you want to really pull tighter in the scene and compress the distance even further. Um, so it, it, I would say about the 70 to 200, 70 to 300 range is what I consider small telephoto. Um, but it's probably really wide angle. It's probably my favorite. A focal length to be in because you can just pull out so many different parts of different scenes in front of you like parts in the landscape and just make six photographs out of it instead of just one or two. Oh yeah um, so yeah it's it's a it's a fun lens uh at least focal length to um just kind of once again walk around with and experiment with um and like i said it's probably one of my favorites honestly mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do with that is um kind of shoot the one wide angle first and then move in and get like like you said, multiple uh, t like telephoto shots. Really just experiment. Like even with the different focal lengths, you can get like a, a hundred mil shot of a subject, and then two hundred, or maybe a one fifty. Uh, it's yeah. very very versatile. Um, I find for like woodland photography, uh, a long lens is great. It makes it less messy, less chaotic, um, and it really simplifies everything and compresses it. And when we say compress. Um, it's kind of like multiple things like it it makes the everything look like it's kind of on the same plane if that makes sense and then um, it also kind of makes the backgrounds more like blurry like not always just blurry but more like i don't know i don't even know how to describe shoot, it what you're trying to say henry is like you you can shoot at the uh, smallest aperture for that telephoto lens but it's still gonna that compression is still gonna show up and appear in the image in the background especially um, if there is distance, that is, um, it's going to show up much more blurry. Is that kind of what you're yeah. saying? Uh huh. 
shooting yeah. like let's say a bird against a stone rock like outcrop or something and it's like the bird is right there against the like the rock wall it's going to show less of that blur but like if you're in maybe like the middle of a prairie and there's like a tall grass like a sedge grass um i don't know a swamp sparrow that's just hanging out and you zoom in all the way in focus pin sharp onto that sparrow and there's nothing else in the background really like immediately behind it it's going to really show that compression and that distance yeah definitely um it's just incredibly versatile it's kind of become one of the most popular landscape lenses it wasn't for a long time but i feel like youtube almost saved the telephoto lens for a while <laughs> like thomas eaton kind of single-handedly bought it brought it back to be honest like mm -hmm. he really just showed what you could do with it and i think his, inspired me his most popular video still is uh the, it's titled throw away your widening lens <laughs> like oh. i think i think that's the one of his, i think it is his most popular but um for good reasons too because he literally not throw it away of course but like what he means is like just put it away for a little bit and just try to telephoto and with the results there yeah, I, I wouldn't say to the extent that he does that. Like, I feel like you should still carry both lenses, honestly. Uh, but <laughs> it is so versatile, and, you know, it. you it's, never think of landscapes with telephoto, but they're, they're great. It's his, the, 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 you could you could argue, like, the title of the video is clickbait, maybe a little bit. But, like, I think what he's just, the, the sentiment he's trying to give us of, like, the delivery of his message is that it's, you're limiting yourself so much if you shoot with just one full length. Maybe we should have prefaced that before at the beginning of the episode, but like you limit yourself so much if you only shoot. I'll say it again. <laughs> and so it's like you just miss out so many opportunities. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's why, like, you and I both have more than one lens. We should carry three, maybe four with us, with us um, when we go out in the field. Because if we don't, or if you're going to miss out on so many opportunities, I know I would. Like, I like to walk around with one or two lenses, sometimes two, but like, you still miss out on a lot. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, you really just have to carry multiple lenses unless you're really trying to limit yourself. Like you'll you'll never know what you'll see really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's even those. It's a little bit of tangent, but there's even those like you ever seen those all like those big um, focal length lenses. I don't know what you call them. Like they go from twenty four to four hundred. You ever seen those? They're like I mean, actually, they actually exist. I think I, mean, I have a, I have a, I have a twenty-four to two forty. I mean, that's pretty. But yeah, even that sounds like pretty good to me. Like that's a good walk-around lens. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think you're right. There's like a Tamron twenty-something to four hundred. Um, even five or six, maybe. Like it's oh, something geez. absurd. Like wow. there's a. That, also, that's, like there's one that that's got to sacrifice the quality. There. There's got to be some quality sacrifice. For I think some of those like secondary manufacturers like like them and um, I don't know other ones like Sigma. They probably have something along those lines of like a wide angle two small telephoto. So you're gonna get some stops of light, of course, but like it's still just mind boggling that that piece of like glass actually exists at all. Yeah, if you if you think about it, it's like you literally have to like move the lens elements to make them longer inside of the lens, like. <laughs> crazy all the stuff that goes into it yeah but i mean hey if you like if some people probably have just that one lens and that works because it's all they need for what they do photographically <laughs> speaking so I, I really can't blame them for buying it i don't know how much they are but stacks <laughs> yeah depending on the price i can't really blame them for buying it that's like a bit of a i hate to use this term but it's like more of a generalist kind of lens pejorative but like it's just kind of like it's good yeah. for like the person that dad, just wants dad on a vacation lens or yeah. yeah yeah it's like for the person that wants to shoot their kids soccer game but also um the bird in the backyard you know and do it in the same day without yep. switching lenses wait for it of course exactly so yeah but um I'm back on track now um but uh small telephotos so um, I do lots of uh, abstracts like this in this kind of way. I'll do intentional camera movement. Um, once again, like I said, just picking apart different the landscape in front of me. So like if there's, I know I've done this in the past, but if there's tall foliage, I'll like just zoom in real far on a tree line, pick out the best, most colorful parts, 
and we'll just do my little, you know, moving back and forth, mid shutter capture, make an abstract. There's so many different applications of this focal length and I could go on forever. Oh yeah. It's definitely like, I'd be, I'd be sad if I didn't have a lens in this, like this range, just because it's just such a fun, it's fun to work with, I think. Mm -hmm. And people think that maybe cropping is kind of a, from a wide angle is kind of a uh, replacement, but like, it's so different, like a 24 millimeter shot versus like a 200 or something. Like you're not going to get the same look. Like you can't crop and get that kind of quality or get anything. Like you, you just it's unreplicable. <laughs> it's un, it's un, yeah, unreplicable. Oh, I gotta say it too. <laughs> like it's pretty bad. It's un, you can't do it. You just can't. Simple. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun one though. So it's one of my favorites for that reason. Yeah. And uh, yeah, small bird. Birds even too, if I haven't mentioned already. They're just not as small birds, but just birds that are closer up. So maybe they would be like small backyard songbirds or something that maybe the local goose or duck at the park that you know can get really close to. I know some of my earliest bird shots were taken in this range too, because that's yeah. all I had before I got Same. something larger than a three hundred mil. Yeah, you too. <laughs> it used to be so frustrating to shoot on a seventy two hundred and try to get like close to a bird because I just couldn't. I would. <laughs> I would put on the crop mode of my camera, which would reduce it down to an eight megapixel image, and still that wasn't close enough. And I was just so, uh, so sad. That's awful. I, I wonder how like years ago I had the patience to get birds up close because a few of my favorite bird shots were like three hundred millimeters. But like I think about nowadays, I'm like, if something's a little speck of dust far away in the lake or something, I'm like, that's a bird, right? If it's too far away, I'm like at six hundred, and I'm like, this isn't good enough. Get it back. Then being so patient, yeah. I feel like wildlife photographers just we all struggle with focal length envy, like we just it kind of haunts us sometimes. <laughs> we, we try so hard to get like the teleconverse stack and everything, and the you know, farthest reaching lens, and we're like, ah, you know, yeah, it's hard, but it's important to show the landscape too. So I'm not going to discredit that, of course, it can be though. I guess it depends on your outcome, at yeah. least, but yeah. Further ado, the last one, I guess, the last section. Um, so this is anything beyond 300 millimeters. This was basically like a, like a standard or very large telephoto. And this perspective is pretty much for like wildlife, um, and sports photography, uh, just stuff like that, mainly. Um, you could always, of course, do landscapes and anything else genre-wise with it. Maybe a far distance city skyline or something. But... Um, I know for you and me, Henry, it's like we usually do it for birds animals exclusively, right? Uh, say that again. Sorry, you cut out. I know for you and me, Henry, it's like we use this focal length mainly for like birds and probably mammals exclusively, right? Um, the only other thing I use it for is sometimes I like taking pictures of the moon just for fun and like some faraway objects. So it could be nice for that. But yeah, mostly, uh, wildlife, uh. Occasionally, I'll kind of zoom in on a plant because, you know, it kind of looks cool with the compression. But, yeah, most right. of the time, it'll be wildlife. But the night that we're recording this, uh, it should be a full, it's the super moon, the pink moon. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. tonight. Yeah, the night we're recording this. I'll have to go take a picture <laughs> but, uh, of it for you. I know, yeah, <laughs> same here. <laughs> but you're right, though. I do kind of use that magnification of, like, 600 mil as, like, a tele or really like a telescope almost. You know, put the camera in live view on a tripod and uh, see the there's on the moon or whatever you want. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty um, cool. But for birds in general, like the the long telephoto is just really kind of essential. I mean, it's it produces quite the unique look with all that those blurred out, um, you know, the blurred out branches and just the how the background falls out of focus as long as you get your focus mm -hmm. right. Um, and it just looks really, really cool. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's what separates like the amateur from the pro. I think is you can just tell like almost like an instant of like you look at the image and you're like I can tell like at least for me I can I can tell like, a professional quality lens perspective. You know what I mean? Versus like anything else like a phone or I don't oh, know yeah. something that's I less mean, than a yeah super telephoto like super telephoto lenses you can't recreate that on a phone. It's impossible. 
Oh no. There's no. nothing you can do. I'm sorry, anyone out there who's a phone photographer. Maybe maybe someday though, but years from I hope now maybe. Not. I, don't well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll be out of business. <laughs> That's the day I quit yeah. photography. Yeah. Dude, don't you're telling me the lens attachments on phones? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Scares me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome it with harmony. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, it's a nice focal length for um, just messing around with and doing birds. Um, I really don't use it for much else. I, I do like to try every now and then if I'm in like a big body of water, like a lake or something really far away. I could try that at like this farther uh, focal length. But yeah, like we said, it's mainly just really use this, you know, zoom range for. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything else that I shoot like on a weekly basis it's it's all wildlife mm -hmm. um have you ever found the problem of that's not really a problem but your telephoto lens is too long for like deer and some bigger animals because i had that problem with big ones i guess yeah i mean i guess if they're really close and like you cut out like their legs and feet which is like a cardinal sin of like photography if you ask me when you start out it's cutting out you know legs and feet of stuff but Something like that. Yeah, if you're just too close. Sometimes I'll switch to my shoulder lens to get deer shots just because of the hmm. closeness and whatnot. Is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that takes skill, man. Shoot. Oh, well, yeah. I'm kind of like the deer that I see a lot are very domesticated, so I don't mind okay. moving. So I can get really close. Of course, I stay my distance, but. They're so big, like with a two hundred millimeter lens, you can get right underneath. Yeah, you're, you're right though. Um, I can I can think of one time about two years ago. I was out in the snow, like very early morning, um, hike, and I had my telephoto lens, I think, already on the tank. And there was some deer, like probably like three or four feet off the trail, just staring me down. And I got like the most beautiful bird, or excuse me, deer portraits of them outside the trail, and I think. Uh, I was probably about 200, 300 millimeters with that lens. The important thing about this uh, zoom, you know, the zoom lens is at least in this range, but I know, I know some great bird photographers that use uh, prime lenses actually in this focal length, which is crazy to me. Like, I just can't imagine that. Yeah, and just mean, because of it. I, I love using prime. Like, but mm -hmm. what, I mean, you you cut out a bit. Were you talking about a specific focal length or? Oh no, nothing. Yeah, no focal length in particular. Mm. But just basically like a like a four hundred millimeter prime, uh, six hundred prime. Yeah, I mean, I using a prime for mostly all my wildlife. I, especially for birds, I find it it's great. It just, like I said, very eliminating or li eliminating, very limiting. Um, and I just don't have to think about zooming. I feel like sometimes you can get a little off balance where you have like that big zoom sticking out of the end of the lens, like it's already heavy, and then that lens <laughs> comes out. So I, I just like the look of the prime, very sharp. So mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, but obviously the larger focal length, typically the larger and heavier the lenses are going to be, just because they think you know hold much more motors and stuff and all that you know electronics inside the lenses themselves. Mm -hmm. so. that being said there, there's some nice prime uh, like my wide angle 24 um, it's called a pancake lens because it's literally like so flat it's it's insane how much you know they you know they jam pack into this little lens but you can literally fit it in your pocket oh wow so it, yeah no it's super tiny lens and it's like you barely it looks like it looks like you're just shooting with just like dslr like no lens it's so low profile it's crazy and your landscapes are really sharp, so I, I guess it doesn't really comp like contrast and or compromise your Im image quality or anything. Yeah, I think it's I think it's f two or f two point eight. It's it's one that yeah, obviously a prime lens, like we said, it's like it's gonna be much more sharper, a faster lens overall. Um, yeah, I, I don't really go below five, I think, mm -hmm. and I do mainly shoot landscapes, of course, with that lens. You ever done like a bird with that lens? <laughs> you know that there's a there's a good few times where like i said it's like you're at the local community park and you get this really 
stuck or something that's really habituated and it can get real close to it. Um, I don't think I've ever actually done it or pulled it off successfully, but there's been a few times where I'm just like, man, I could really just use a wide ankle right now. <laughs> like, not too close. I'd love um, to use a 16 to 35 to in bird. That kind of Nat Geo look, you know, yeah. like the photojournalist look, because they uh, show like the habitat, like the pain lens or something. Just walk right alongside them. It's yeah, crazy. I feel like I feel like that's good for like a a short telephoto. I feel like you could probably do something like that mm -hmm. at like seventy or eighty millimeters, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you ever like try to experiment with like using a really small aperture? I know you said with your f eleven, but like, do you try to incorporate a lot more habitat and landscape into like a bird shot? Well, see, that's that's the thing. So it's an f eleven lens. It it can only go at f11 so i can't go past it's stuck at f11 basically right so yeah um i don't like showing a lot of chaos but that f11 is interesting like i noticed well, like since other bird photographers have the option of shooting at like way lower like six three or four or something <laughs> um i find my images are very different from a lot of wildlife photographers like i show a lot more of the scene just because i kind of have to um, but I, I, I like it most of the time, unless it's like a really chaotic branch, like ton of branches. <laughs> um, then it looks a little like amateur. But if there's like a lot of subject separation and I get down on eye level, it's, you know, you could never tell it's F11. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that last part is so right. Like if you're eye level, it makes all the difference. Like if it's an eye level perch or something, if it's a bird or a mam or something. Um, but yeah, the, the subject dis separation distance in between like let's say the foreground, midground, background, it creates all that depth within the lens, the telephoto lens. Um, but uh, what I, what I kind of mean, I guess, is like, yeah, you don't want chaos, of course, most of the time, shot. But like, I just mean like, you got a nice, nice mossy little tree trunk that the bird's you know sitting on oh, or whatever, and you might yeah, show some like bouquet in the background. When I think of habitat, it doesn't have to be like chaos, like every tree branch around this oh. bird. I just mean like, I just mean like enough to kind of get the sense of the you know, sense of place in the scene i mean that's that's kind of my favorite part of bird photos really is the habitat around it like i'm not <laughs> a big fan of those photographers i'm not calling anyone in particular out but like i'm not a big fan of those photographers who like do like the it got like the 600 f4 and they're always at f4 and just have a completely oh, like, sure. disappearing background and it's just the bird you know that's has its purposes but I, I love showing the environment like maybe there's some berries on the tree or like you said, mm -hmm. moss or just anything like that. Right, right. Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, there's a place for every kind of image in that, what we've mentioned. And yeah, it just depends on what you want to shoot, of course, or maybe the luck you have. Because I got some of my best shots just real close. And like you said, it's just like a clean slate, like a gradient light you know, behind the bird or whatever. And then other, you know, other shots are like my favorites just because it does show so much of the scene in front of it or around it. It depends on which really is your your tastes are, I guess, and how you approach, you know, taking a wildlife shot. Mm -hmm. yep. Is there anything else you want to add about focal length? I think we covered I, quite a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. Is there a favorite focal length or kind of range you you prefer, I guess? Um, My favorite would probably have to be like 600, I would say, because I just love looking really? through it. Love how it compresses everything. It's just really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much where most of my wildlife shots are at. <laughs> no surprise, right? <laughs> but I guess on the crop sensor, yeah, it is about a thousand millimeters or so. Mm -hmm. More, I feel like I said. I think for me, yeah, small telephoto and then wide angle. Like I only need those two kind of parts, I guess. <laughs> if I had to choose yeah. two. Uh -huh. But you're right. Wildlife, of course, yeah. I want the farther, the better. Uh -huh. I mean, we really like you, you know, and I, get too we close. Use, yeah, we use all the focal lengths. So like, it's when we say we like certain focal lengths, like there's the other ones are definitely close behind. Like, I think it's important for every. You don't have to be an outdoor photographer, but just any person with a camera. It's like I feel like it's so important, like for your own creativity and just subject matter or genre so just get like at least a good three lenses that cover this whole focal length that we've been discussing 
and just that way you can get the variety of shots and you don't really worry about like well everything because like like you ever look at like a portfolio website and you like or an instagram feed and you're like you can tell all these shots are taken with the same lens you ever look at that it's almost like yeah which obviously there's exceptions like if you do wildlife exclusively you're probably gonna be at the 600 or more you know depending but i'm saying like you know a street scene and then you're taking like a waterfall and then you're taking uh, a flower and it's like they're all at 50 millimeter it's gonna it's kind of boring honest honestly like it just looks really typical i guess because then everything just looks i don't know it's good to have a variety of focal lengths is what i'm saying yep well <laughs> i think that pretty much concludes the focal length discussion unless yeah, you have anything I, else how many times you said focal length inception <laughs> a lot if you guess it right, we'll have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's way, it's way too many. Or, or you can just come on the show. You know, just whoever you are. <laughs> you don't have to guess it right. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, make sure to also follow us on Instagram, of course, everyone. Uh, um, we're going to try to keep it updated as much as we can. Um, DM us if you have any questions, comments, uh, if you have any anything, really. Or email us, too. Make sure those questions are whatever on the show. Um, you got any updates, Brian? Uh, not really, not really at the moment. I don't think so. Um, just still doing the videos, doing some writing, some blogging. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. What about you? Cool. Um, well, I'm, I'm back into YouTube, so I've done two videos so far. I'm trying to do it once a week. Um, Next week, I'm going to do a what's in my camera bag video. I've actually never done one of those before, so it should be pretty <laughs> fun. Uh, I, I like it. I'll just, you know, it'll be a very long video, I bet. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be next week. I look week forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then, let's see, what else? Uh, I've got some sponsorships coming. I can't say specifics, but it'll be pretty cool. So keep an eye out for that. Um, it may not be on YouTube, but it, it may be on some other platforms, so um, you'll just have to see there. Um, I've got an incredible volume of photos still to post from like my South Carolina trip, which was almost like a month ago at this point, so um, those will be on my Instagram. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. So. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all that, your videos and photo alike. Thank you. All right, well, Alrighty, thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for watching the Owl Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.